This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. You can also download our app on your app store with your mobile device or your tablet. Just download the AFR app. It's free, and you can catch all of the content that you hear on American Family Radio, including this show, Exposing Washington, here on AFR. Once again, my name is Walker Wildman. This is Exposing Washington. Glad to have you on the show. A lot of things to talk about. We had some a busy week in Washington, D.C., despite the fact that Congress is not really doing much of anything. President Trump tends to stay busy actually working for the people. But as, you, as usual, Congress isn't really doing much. But we still had a busy week in Washington, D.C. We had a couple Supreme Court rulings that we're going to talk about. Very bad rulings, by the way, from the Supreme Court. President Trump signed an executive order on police reform, is what they called it. And then we had the protest across the country the past few weeks. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And the blatant double standard when it comes to rioters, looters, anarchists, and then it comes to, I don't know, people who want to go to a rally for President Trump and how the politicians and the media are treating those two situations completely different. Completely different. The executive order President Trump signed on police reform really, in the grand scheme of things, Really, there was not much to it. doesn't have a lot of teeth to it. Why? Because the president, the office of the president, was not intended to pass laws. The White House is not responsible for legislating. That is Congress's job. It is the job of Congress, the, our elected representatives, It is the job of Congress to pass laws or to change laws. And so executive orders should not be very broad or tactical or should really not have much effect in the grand scheme of our day-to-day life. But nonetheless, President Trump signed an executive order on police reform. And this all really 
ties into, we had the George Floyd death, which was horrendous. I've said it multiple times. What the officers did to George Floyd was horrific, and they should be held accountable. And then we had this shooting over in Atlanta that I, wanna, I want to expound upon. The shooting over in Atlanta where you had a, a suspect, Rashad Brooks, that was intoxicated to the farthest degree in a Wendy's parking lot. And the officers show up, two officers, and in, in all reality, their skin color doesn't matter. The skin color of the suspect and the skin color of the officers is completely irrelevant in this situation. So you had two officers, one suspect. They spend 40 minutes talking to the suspect. And the officers come to the conclusion that the suspect is too intoxicated to drive himself home or to drive home. The officers move to handcuff the suspect, and that's when the situation went south. The suspect begins fighting with the police officers, beating the police officers. The suspect then takes one of the police officers' tasers, flees the scene as the officer as the officers are pursuing the suspect, the suspect then turns around and fires the taser at the face of an officer. The officer then pulls out his service weapon, fires two shots, actually three shots, but two of them hit the suspect, and the suspect died at the scene. That situation is a completely justified shooting. When a suspect assaults two law enforcement officers, steals their weapon, and then fires their weapon at the officer. That is a justified situation for the officer to use deadly force. That is a textbook example of when to use necessary force, when to use lethal force. And on that point, I'm not the only one saying this. I'm going to play clip three. This is a sheriff in Georgia, in a county in Georgia, and here's what he had to say. He spends about a minute and a half here explaining why this shooting was 100% justified according to the law. Clip three. Uh, obviously, we saw on the video that the Brooks was engaged in a fight with the officers. They were on the ground. We know that when we're on the ground, we have a very high likelihood of being hurt or killed. It's not the place we want to be. This is not a wrestling match. The Brooks is able to take a uh, non-lethal weapon, a taser, away from one of the officers, and he flees. They give chase. He's committed to felony obstruction of an officer counts, and he needs to be held accountable. So they were perfectly justified in running behind Brooks to, to capture him. He, Brooks turned back to the officers and fired the taser, 
And we all know I, I, this is a third law enforcement agency I've been head of, and in every agency I've gone to, I've required every officer who, who carries a taser to, to be tased with it so that you understand the incapacitation. Five seconds, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. That's five whole seconds that if an officer is hit with that taser, that he, all of his muscles will be locked up and he'll have the inability to move and to respond. And yet he is still responsible for every weapon on his belt. He, so if that officer had been hit, he still has a firearm on his side and the likelihood of him being stomped in the head or having his firearm taken and used against him was a probability. And so he did what he needed to do. And this was a completely justified Which is, uh, shooting. Well, there you have it. That's a sheriff in Georgia, in a county in Georgia, Burke County, I believe. But this, uh, that right there, it, that is a clear explanation as to why this shooting was justified. As the sheriff just explained there, I've never been shot with a taser, nor do I want to be shot with a taser, but I've spoken to people who have, and it's the pain is pretty excruciating, and it locks your body up and your muscles up for many seconds. And when you have someone who has already shown hostility and assaulted officers, there is a likelihood that should he have been able to tase the officer, he could have easily taken that officer's service weapon, not only killed the officer right there, but killed the other officer that was following up on the chase. So, you know, for for the media and for anyone to act as if this was an unjustified shooting is insane. And it ignores the law. And the district attorney there in Fulton County ought to be ashamed of himself because he has charged this good officer with felony murder, which in my opinion will never hold up in the court of law. That will never hold up before a grand jury. But this is a political prosecution. This is a political charge. And we've seen various officers around the Atlanta area walk off the job. And I don't blame them. Because if I knew that I had politically motivated prosecutors in the DA's office, and I had a mayor and a police chief who had no backbone and they're shameful and I were an officer, I wouldn't go to work either. I would find a job somewhere else. Maybe be an officer in another district or another city or another county. The problem here is, amongst many problems, is that we have mayors, city council people, we even have police chiefs that are a bunch of cowards. And all they want to do is pander to the media, pander to Black Lives Matter, pander to the Democrats, 
Meanwhile, their officers are out there getting slaughtered in the streets, and that's not an exaggeration. You should look up how many police officers have been killed in the last four weeks. And we've got this rhetoric out there, this false rhetoric, that somehow police officers are bad people. We need to defund the police departments. That is a horrible idea. That is a horrible idea. And if you want to defund the police departments, you want to know who that's going to affect the most? Minority communities. Because they're the most crime-ridden. They've got the most crime, the most murders. Out of any group. And we want to take the police away from them? To where they have no protection? These Democrat cities, I want to transition and talk about these Democrat cities. Democrats have been running these big cities like New York. By the way, in New York City this past week, there was a suspect who had been arrested dozens of times. I want to say it was over 100 times, but I just, I'll play it conservative. This suspect was at least arrested dozens of times back on the streets because of why? New York has bail, quote, bail reform, where there is no bail. You get arrested, you get booked, and then you get out, no matter what you do for the most part, with the exception of a few crimes. And this guy who had just gotten back out of jail shoves a 90-year-old woman on the, on the, on the pa- pavement, on the concrete. For no reason. He's just walking past her and shoves her on the concrete. Hits her head on the concrete. He shouldn't have even been on the streets. But these are Democrat-run cities, by the way. Chicago, Detroit, New York City, San Francisco. These cities have been run by Democrats for decades. And these cities are trash. They're crime-ridden. They're poverty-stricken. All under the supervision of Democrats. I want to play clip one here. This is uh, Dr. Ben Carson talking about how Democrats have been against everything that would allow minorities to get out of poverty and out of crime-ridden communities. Clip one, let's listen. And yet we have people who say, Mm -hmm. you don't get school choice. We don't want you to have charter schools. We don't want anything that really works. I remember some years ago in the No No Child Left Behind program, some of the schools in Baltimore had failed and the children were going to be sent to other schools. And the politicians got around those schools and said, no, these are our schools. These are our failing schools and our failing (laughs) students. What a bunch of garbage. You know, we have got to take care of our children if we really want to succeed as a society. So there you have it. That's Dr. Ben Carson, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, talking about how that even when, when schools fail in these inner cities like Baltimore and people try to go in to help them, they won't take it. They won't take the help. They say, oh, these are our schools, even they don't know how to run them. And this is the story of pretty much every big city across America, with the exception of maybe a few. But many, many of the big cities 
have failing education systems, despite the fact that per capita, they're spending more money than any other city per capita. The big cities are spending thousands of dollars per students per, per student per year. And they're getting the worst results. But we don't change what we do. These inner cities keep doing the same thing over and over again. We keep listening to the Al Sharptons and the race baiters and watching CNN. I'm talking about collectively these communities, these cities, and they keep electing the same Democrats who do the same thing all the time. They talk, 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 and they don't do anything to fix the communities. Look at Chicago. Chicago got a new mayor a few years ago. She's just as bad as the one before. It's all about power for the Democrats. All about power. I wrote an article in our local newspaper this past week, and I'll post it on my podcast page at AFR.net. But in this article, I talk about how in these, in these Democrat-run cities, the, the voters have been doing the same thing for years. They've been voting in the same old politicians for years. And they get the same results, and it's not good. It's high crime, poverty-stricken, and poor education. The same results year after year, yet they change their voting not. President Trump said in 2016 to these inner cities, vote for me, what do you have to lose? Which is a good point. What do you have to lose to just change up the same, change up the folks you're voting for? Transitioning topics to the whole lockdown situation. You know, President Trump is holding a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, this weekend. And we've had these protests, these riots, these mobs running around, once again, the big cities, the Democrat-run cities, up in Portland. They've taken over parts of the city, calling it some kind of autonomous zone. And anarchists are running the streets. They're across the country. They're, they're, they're pulling statues down without due process. These are anarchists. But just about uh, two months ago, there were peaceful protesters, actual peaceful protesters across the country, who were upset that our governors and our mayors were shutting down our country and not allowing us as a country to earn a living. And the media and the politicians said, oh, they're just putting lives at risk. They're spreading COVID. People are going to church and they're going to die because they're going to church and they're going to get COVID. This was the fake narrative out there. They were even calling churches these uh, super spreaders. 
It was disgusting. And then a couple weeks later, the rioters and the looters and the anarchists come out, and there's not a word about that. That's fine. Burn down the city. Who cares? COVID magically disappeared for about three weeks. (laughs) And then now that the whole George Floyd protest burned down the cities has died out, has faded out, now they're back to COVID panic. The world is ending. Trump shouldn't have rallies and you shouldn't go back to church. It's so hypocritical. Absolutely hypocritical. Let's listen to clip two and hear what Tucker Carlson on Fox News had to say about it. The coronavirus lockdowns have nothing to do with race, with white or black, thank God. They're probably the only thing in America right now that doesn't. Quarantines are instead scientific. They're purely a matter of public health. That's what they told us, and we believe them. We sat passively as they destroyed our country's economy, as they indicted Americans for trying to make a living. And then the Black Lives Matter riots started, and we learned that it was all fake. The very same officials who threatened us with arrest for going outside urged their own voters to flood the streets. And they did, and no one was punished. How could this happen? It was such a flagrant double standard, not even hidden, right in your face. (laughs) They didn't try to explain it. They didn't bother to justify it. Why? Anyone familiar with totalitarian regimes can tell you exactly why and what's going on. This is ritual humiliation. Forcing people to accept mistreatment is a time-tested way to subdue them. Of course we're not treating you fairly, they're telling us. You don't deserve fairness. You deserve what you get. That's the message. Well, there you have it. And speaking of, of, of hypocrisy and insanity, you know, I said Portland. They set up this autonomous zone. It's actually Seattle in Seattle, Washington. Portland's had their own protest. But here in Seattle, you had this, this zone of it's basically an insurrection. We have an insurrection. We had people take over a section of the United States. Yes, you heard me right. And they're running their own little city in America. But it's completely autonomous from America. It's completely separate. Police aren't going in. Fire department's not going in. Emergency personnel are not going in. The mayor and the police chief of Seattle, they're not touching it. This is an insurrection, and this should not be tolerated. But this is, this is where Americans are frustrated, and I think this is why President Trump had over one million people register for his rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when the arena only seats 19,000. People are mad because of this insanity. Because the politicians in Washington, D.C., they're all still getting paid. Our federal government, all of their employees have been getting paid. They haven't missed a paycheck since this all began. The coronavirus I'm talking about. All of our state governments, they've stayed funded. All the state employees, they're still getting paid, even though they're not working. And these same people are telling us that we can't earn a living. They're telling us that we can't go to church that we can't have a funeral for our loved ones. But Black Lives Matter, 
Oh, they can burn down the city. Thousands of them can protest. No problem. But we can't. We can't protest this. Why? Because we're conservatives. Because we love freedom. We love the Constitution. So constitutional protections don't apply to us. This is the America that we're living in. Where the policymakers, the politicians, and the media, they pick and choose who the Constitution applies to. If you're a Democrat, if you're an anarchist, if you're a liberal, well, then of course the First Amendment protects your right to peaceably assemble and even non-peaceably assemble and burn down our cities. But if you conservatives and you Christians want to go to church, no, we can't do that. Can't do that. The coronavirus is going to keep us from doing that. And we can keep your churches shut down as long as we want. That's what we're hearing in California, New York, and other places. But I think Americans, in large part, yes, a portion of our country, they're Democrats, they're liberal, and they're fine with this insanity. Obviously, because look at the elected officials that are running these big cities. But there's a lot of flyover country that are frustrated, they're mad, and they're tired of these same old politicians making dumb decisions for our country. And I think you're going to see in November a rebellion at the ballot box over this insanity. And the people who should speak up the most are the people in these inner cities, the victims in the big cities who have had their businesses looted, their cars broken into, They can't go to work without being afraid of getting beaten. This November is going to be, it's going to go one way or the other. People in our country are going to keep voting for the same old politicians who don't know how to run a lemonade stand, or they're going to maybe pick some new leadership that have some competence, have some respect for the rule of law and the Constitution, who appreciate our police officers, that's basically going to be the the choice in November. Do the big cities want to continue on to the path, on the path of destruction and lawlessness and poverty and horrible school systems? Do we want to continue that? Or do we want to try something new for a change? I guess we'll find out. Exposing Washington, American Family Radio. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us on the show. Check out our website, AFR.net. More specifically, check out my podcast page on AFR.net. Exposing Washington is the name of the show. We'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.